So last week we talked about reading the Bible, and I mean really, really reading the Bible. We were reminded of the importance of, of doing so, not just as a form of obedience, we should read God's word, but also to receive the wisdom and the comfort and the guidance that only his word can provide. The promises we're claiming in these prayers is because we know through his written word what God can do and will do in response. And I concluded last week by issuing a challenge to you. I know you're saying, uh-oh, did I do it? My challenge is what you set aside some quality time this week to read the written word of God and then take a moment to think about it. You know, how'd you do? I won't look at you. How did you do? <laughs> Regardless of whether or not you sat and read the entire book, you know, from the gospel or one of the letters from the apostle Paul or, or some poetry from Psalms, if you simply open the Bible just one more time than you did the week prior, you'd made a step, right? You did a step. God bless you. Keep it up. But if you forgot about the challenge or didn't give it a thought after leaving last week, I have some good news for you, okay? You woke up this morning with air in your lungs and a beautiful morning it is. This means that God continues to bless you with the gift of life and you have another chance. Let's seek God through his word this week, even if it's just a baby step. But for this morning's message, I'm gonna start by reading God's word from Matthew 22. Now we find Jesus teaching all that who would listen and, and in this crowd are the Pharisees and the Sadducees and some Herodians, okay? These are the, the biblical scholars, the, the elite socialites uh, tied to the beliefs of the time. And, and they decided to trap this man, this Jesus who was teaching and, and taking all the attention. And they decided to trap him with questions in order to discredit him a little bit. So we're gonna begin at verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, we as a congregation and in the various Bible studies, we've unpacked this, this scripture several times. And even this past Wednesday night in Bible study, we did a little this morning. But let, let's move on a little bit because I want to share another thing from Matthew 5, 43 through 47. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans doing that do that? Now this is Jesus' commentary from the Sermon on the Mount. And I love that he always starts this with, you have heard it said, right? And this is why the Pharisees could not discredit Jesus. He is a teacher of the law. The law is God's word from the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus didn't come to replace these rules, these laws, right? He came to teach them, to explain them, to make them relatable, and to fulfill them. So we've read two of the places where we instructed to love our neighbor, right? Which begs the obvious question, who is my neighbor? Well, good news for you, Jesus answers that. And this is from the Gospel of Luke 10, 25. He says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This poor guy, they were testing him constantly, wanting to discredit him. He says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, isn't that the question, right? 
What is written in the law? Jesus replied, and how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Now we just read that. But that was originally in Deuteronomy 6, 5, right? Jesus says, as it was said, as it was written, or you heard me said, because this is the Old Testament law. He said, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus, again, Old Testament law. Now Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. There's the secret. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, he said, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, and man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. You know the story. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side, a priest, the man who's supposed to be caring for his, his flock, right? So too a Levite, now these are his own people. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, now this was a Samaritan, was the, the sworn enemy of this man, right? But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii. And just so you know, that's about a day's wage. So if you think about how much you make in a day, he took took that out of his own money. And he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. So Jesus completed the story. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law said, the man who had mercy on him. And Jesus simply said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. The answer was the one who had mercy on him. A neighbor isn't the person next door. I mean, it is, literally, but not exclusively. As Jesus is teaching us, a neighbor is who? It's everyone. It's everyone. And according to Jesus' teaching, you are likewise everyone else's neighbor. I am someone's neighbor. Say it with me. I am someone's neighbor. Turn and tell someone I'm your neighbor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I love your singing this morning. It was great. Um, do you think that was a little strange and awkward? Um, I dare you to go to Walmart. Say that to everybody who's facing me. That's right. We'll see you on the news. <laughs> but when Jesus asked which of these people was a neighbor to the one in need, it was, it was, it was the one who helped. It was the one who served. It was the one who showed care and compassion and the one who loved, the one who made a sacrifice. Sounds a lot like the way Jesus lived and taught, doesn't it? The commandment is that a neighbor is someone you love. Jesus' further explanation is that being someone's neighbor means that you love them like he loves you. Now, before we dive in that a little deeper, I want to tell you that what a neighbor is not. And this is from James 4.12. It's a warning. It says, There is only one lawgiver and judge and the one who is able to save and destroy, okay? One God with his role. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Psalm 56, and the heavens proclaim his righteousness for he is a God of justice. Keep this in mind because we're gonna talk about this. But there's times when neighbors are a little tough to love. But if you don't judge your neighbor like it just said in James and if you don't covet your neighbor or anything that belongs to them like it says in Exodus, If you don't do those things, you have liberated yourself from some of the man-made obstacles that keep you from loving someone, right? Isn't that getting your way if you're judging them? 
I mean, I can't think of you condescendingly and love you like Jesus does. I can't want something that you have or worse, wish that you didn't have something good because, because I want it. I can't do that and love you like Jesus does. And even if we trick ourselves into thinking that we have risen above these snags when we love someone despite that, right? You're like, I, I love you anyway. That's unforgiveness. I haven't forgiven you or stopped judging you. I just think I love you more than that judgment is, is calling for, okay? Or maybe despite the choices that I think you've made in your life or the way you dress or comb your hair. Now, that's judgment. If you are proud of yourself for loving or even accepting someone despite these things, you aren't showing grace. Not the way Jesus intended. You certainly aren't loving the way God instructed. You need to look at your neighbor as Jesus looks at them. And that's the way this Samaritan did. He looked, he saw someone in need. He didn't see the sworn enemy of his people. He saw a man in need. And I don't want to discourage you. These are some deeply rooted tendencies that we all have, right? God knows this, and that's a part of the reason that he sent Jesus to help us understand the basic thou shalt not by explaining it further and by serving as a living example of a godly life. In short, he proves that it is possible. But as Jesus himself, Jesus himself put it in John 13, 34, it says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, Christ is our example for loving our neighbors and for being neighbors to others. And there's some character of his that we need to understand. And the book is full of his character. But we're going to look at just a couple verses of Jesus' character. So we know when we look at someone as a neighbor, as we are trying to be someone's neighbor, what that means. From Paul's letter to the Philippians in 2, 3 through 5, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, disregard or of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus modeled this behavior that says, look out for everybody else. In fact, think of them above you, right? But John 13, 12, 15. And we know this because I... I paraphrases every time we do communion. John 13, 12 through 15 says, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? Let me explain this, okay? When they sat at the Last Supper, it was common to recline, and I don't mean recline like lazy boy recline. I mean, they lay on an elbow, feet that way. Well, you don't want to be that guy, especially if with this guy's feet, Right? And so it was the lowly servant in the household that washed the feet, the dusty feet, the dirty feet of the sandals that walked around and walked around. And now they're inches from your face as you're reclining, eating. And Jesus, Jesus went and washed the feet with his own clothes. He took his own robe and he, he washed the feet and he tied it around his waist. And he says, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And he says, you're right. I am. I'm teacher and Lord. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also must, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example, gave an example that you may also should do as I did to you. What a test of servanthood. What a test of being a neighbor. There's another test of, of whether or not a person is a good neighbor. This one you have to wait till winter. If you're debating whether or not to shovel your neighbor's driveway, ask yourself, would they do it for me? 
And if the answer is no, do it anyways out of the kindness of your heart. And if the answer is yes, go back inside and wait for them to do it. <laughs> I had to look at her because she's my sounding board for jokes. And sometimes she says, don't tell me I want to have a genuine laugh. And then sometimes she says, you should have run that one by me. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the content of the New Testament, aside from the Gospels, wrote these words found in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He says, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Right? Paul went through most of his life not being a very good person, not a good neighbor to Christians for sure. He was a tax collector. He persecuted. He was on his way to persecute the Christians there when the Lord literally opened his eyes, right? Changed his name, took away his vision, gave him, gave him back vision with some instructions. And, and then Paul found his way and he wrote letters and he taught and taught. And, and the bulk of the New Testament outside the gospels are letters Paul's written. Amazing stuff. And here's this man who's seemingly got it figured out and he says, don't do what I'm doing. I mean, do, but do it because I'm imitating him, okay? So what, the transitive property of algebra, is that what that is, right? That A equals B, B equals C, A equals C. Well, that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. He knew that he must strive to follow the example of Jesus in order to be truly obedient, receive the full blessing on his life and the blessing that God had intended for him. God knew this, and all those years that Paul wasted being disobedient and persecuting Christians and just being a rotten guy, he was missing out on what God had intended. But God has that same kind of blessing intended for you. When you said, Jesus, I believe in you, you open the door for that to happen. And every time you take another step on your walk of faith, every time you're obedient with your word and reading the word in your prayer life and how you treat others, you're saying, God, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. Okay, I'll give it to you. Now, don't forget, he gives you the hard stuff too because he wants you to grow. You know, you don't get to sit and be complacent. God, teach me some faith. Ooh, that's a risky prayer. All right, I'm gonna test your faith a little bit. Okay, I'm a little better in my faith. He's like, nope, now it's going to take a little more trust to grow your faith. You know, keep working like that, and it's tough. God doesn't promise that Christianity is easy. He just promises he's going to be there. But that makes it easy. So, this is so important that even one of Jesus' disciples that traveled with him while he was teaching and performed miracles and even received the gift of the Holy Spirit to do these things as well, this close friend of Jesus shares these words found in John. He says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you've got to do what he did. You literally have to follow him. And if these two godly men who encountered God in the flesh need to be more like Jesus and the way they love their neighbor, how much more do I? And ask yourself this question. What, what can I do today to be more like Jesus? What would Jesus do in this situation? Remember that? What would Jesus do? But more accurately, what is Jesus telling me I should do in this situation? That's right. The great teacher, the discerner of God's word still teaches today. Verbal and written. Here, verbal. Pray and then listen. Written. You've got it right here. You've got it right here. Friends, the lesson doesn't just tell you to love your neighbor. He tells us how. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. 
Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. There's that word again. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you instead, right? We've got forgiveness, we've got kindness, we've got compassion, we've got forgiveness, we have patience. Micah 7, 18, 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnants of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Forgiveness. It keeps mentioning it over and over in scripture. Not only God's forgiveness for you, but specifically that you must forgive others. That is because God created you and knows you. He knows that your anger and resentment, no matter how big, how small, how warranted or unwarranted, he knows this creates an obstacle for your obedience and it keeps you from that blessing he wants to give you. This also gives the devil a foothold as the apostle Paul warned. But the Bible also says this, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. That's Matthew 7, 12. We call that the golden rule, right? And we're all called to live this way. So so what, what when people wrong us, right? They're, everybody's called to live this way. If, they, if I treat people the way I want to be treated, how come they treat me so poorly? What if they lied to you or lied about you? What if they mistreated you or, or to you mothers, someone you love, angry mama bear, right? What if they've seemingly sought to make your life harder or delighted in your struggle or... What am I to do with this enemy of mine? So let's go back to that second verse I read, Matthew 5, 43 through 47. It says, you have heard that it said, right? This is, this is Jesus quoting God. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, I can hate my enemy. That, that comes natural. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow, wow. Love your enemies too. Pray for them because they are your neighbors. And if you are also everyone else's neighbor, then it's likely that you're someone's enemy. Is it possible? You may have hurt someone, disappointed someone. Someone needs to forgive you. Hello, I'm someone's enemy. Let's say that together. I'm someone's enemy. See, I don't get the enthusiasm this time. It doesn't feel good, does it? We should do our best not to become someone's enemy. And this is scriptural, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Couple disclaimers in there. Gotta love that writer, Paul. If it is possible, okay? It isn't always possible. But if it is possible, you have an obligation. That obligation is as far as it depends on you. If you're like me and you want peace and you want everybody to love you, you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Okay, But as far as it depends on you, this is the extent of your, of your responsibility and God sees your efforts. And if you've done what you can do to avoid confrontation and remain at peace with everyone, then God delights in your efforts. Even if you don't feel the love, even if someone claims you as their enemy. Love others. Be a Christ-like neighbor to your, neighbor, to, to your neighbors who's everyone. And if you're still struggling with this concept or have unanswered questions, I want to hear from you. God's word has so much to say on it and there's nothing 
that should keep us from diving into his word to ask him the questions. So if you need to say, I'm not quite understanding what this love your neighbor, I'm really having some trouble with some resentment or forgiveness issues. Or I want someone who resents me or, or, or I want them to forgive me. How do you deal with that on your side? Let's talk, okay? Let's seek those answers together. I don't have them all, but I know where to find them. I know where to find guidance and I can introduce you because you probably already know him, the guy who can tell you, okay? Let's seek them together. But I want, and more importantly, Jesus wants you to say something. He wants you to say, I'm someone's neighbor. I show love and I am loved. That is his wish for you. That is my wish for you as well. Let's end with that. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we saw and remembered that we are to love our neighbors which means we are to love everyone. We are supposed to show them kindness and compassion, generosity, respect, all the things that you modeled for us. And we learn that this is to be to everybody. And we delight to know that I am someone's neighbor, but it feels uncomfortable to know that I may be someone's enemy. And God, as we pray for those who hurt us, as we pray for those who have wronged us, and we pray for your justice to prevail, not our own, then God, we, we have to realize that we have to let some of those things go too when we may be someone else's enemy. We pray that they are praying on how to forgive, on how to accept and respect. Lord God, you are the, law, the Lord of peace, of order. You delight in the church and you delight when people come together in your name. Lord, but we are a fallen world and we struggle with these things. So we ask for continued guidance in all we do. And each day as we wake up with breath in our lungs, we know that you have put a purpose in our life. Help us to seek you first and what that purpose may be for that day and for the rest of our lives. As long as we're here on earth, may we continue in our faith walk, learning and growing to be more and more Christ-like in all we do. Father God, I just want to conclude again by thanking you for who you are. For everyone gathered here, those who are listening online, Lord, I ask for prayers and protection for all. Lord, I just want us all to make the decision that's best so that we aren't delaying one more second from the blessings you have intended for us. And as we have spaces in the pews this morning, let them serve as a reminder and encouragement that there's room for a relationship with you here and elsewhere. Lord, may we be a part of that process and give all glory to you. Amen.